Explore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. Chapter 40 Taj Mahal to the Golden Temple 3rd to the 17th of January 1978 India From re-entering India, it took us four days to drive almost 500 miles to Agra. En route, we stayed in Varanasi at the familiar campsite to attend to maintenance and chores and buy fresh food supplies. We enjoyed our dinner at a nearby roadside tea store. Rice with peas, cauliflower, deep-fried battered stuffed tomatoes, curried aubergine, tomato sauce, vegetable chapatis and tea. The owner was as pleased as punch as we tucked into the meal, relishing every morsel. Food with soul. The animated rotund owner wore the standard long cotton baggy trousers in beige with matching woolen hat, royal blue shirt with the cuffs rolled back and a sleeveless long quilted navy blue jacket. He took our compliments seriously and asked us to take a photo of him to send from England with an Egon Rone certificate. He stood on the earth in front of his tarpaulin-covered shack. His smile and joviality vanished as his neatly trimmed grey moustache portrayed his proud demeanour as the photo was taken. His assistant kept busy cooking more curry for hungry customers who waited patiently, seated on wooden benches at the rustic tables. The aromatic scents of cardamom, ginger, turmeric, saffron and onions enveloped the scene battling against the petrol fumes of the constant passing traffic an arm's length away. Traffic over those days had been a nightmare. You have to experience it to believe it. We passed through towns where there were hundreds of people mingling about amongst the trucks, buses, bullock carts, rickshaws, trishaws and roaming holy cows. Skinny dogs with bleeding, fly-nibbled ears skulked around in the streets. Two dogs fighting over a bone, viciously attacking each other, brought their skirmish onto the road and narrowly missed our wheels. Away from the towns, there were many crashed vehicles abandoned on the roadside, or even in the road. An upturned heavy lorry lay blocking much of the road with its contents of freshly picked, soft, raw cotton piled beside it. The worst we saw was an overturned petrol tanker. The tank had dislodged and rolled into a field. The cab and truck chassis had tipped onto a wooden cart and smashed it to pieces. The black water buffalo that had been pulling the cart lay dead still and bloated. It had been there a few days and its stench filled the air. We wondered what had happened to the drivers of the cart and the truck. 
The next key destination was Agra. First to see the beautiful mausoleum of Itmat ud Daula, built with white marble, extravagantly inlaid with semi-precious stones. From the mausoleum we went to see Agra Fort, with its red sandstone walls surrounding many buildings, palaces, audience rooms, luxurious baths and two white marble mosques. At the tea house we sipped tea and friendly chipmunks entertained us as they happily ate biscuit crumbs from my hand. But the star location of the day was the architectural jewel of the Taj Mahal, with its exotic gardens enhanced with pools and fountains. The reflection of the marble-domed structure was mirrored in the long channel of water in its foreground. Alec, along with a host of other, mostly Indian tourists, took the standard iconic photo. We ventured along the tree-lined pathway to marvel at the exceptional mausoleum created by master craftsmen. It was commissioned by the Mughal Emperor Shah Jahan and built during the 17th century in memory of his favourite wife, Muntaz Mahal. I touched one of the exquisitely decorated white marble pillars and stroked my fingers across the cold, ultra-smooth floral mosaic design of inlaid precious and semi-precious gems. We stayed for quite a while, admiring all that we saw, before going to look around the tourist stalls set up outside the Taj Mahal complex. Eventually it was time for us to leave to search for a place to park for the night. You come stay at good campsite, I show you. A young teenager badgered us as he followed Alec and me back to the Land Rover. Come, I show you good place. He pleaded as he walked sideways just a pace before us, almost blocking our stride. We had planned to go to the recommended highwayman campsite, but the lad was amiable enough, so we invited him to ride in the back of the Land Rover and direct the way. He successfully led us to Greenview Campsite and introduced us to the manager, who showed us around. It was a recently opened small establishment with a tidy kitchen, the day's Indian newspaper in English available, and a cassette recorder playing relaxing background music. It had a new clean white toilet with a handy can of air freshener too. You could see they were trying to make a go of it, and we were glad to stay as the only guests that evening. The lengthy early morning call to prayer by the local imam at the nearby mosque robbed us of three hours of sleep. So we were up early for an easy-going morning, during which I tried to make a Genoese cake in the pressure cooker. It was edible, but not a competition winner. Alec! Have you tried sitting on those lovely new wicker armchairs outside the manager's office? No, why? Well, I think you should test them. Alec walked across and sat down on the attractive high-packed armchair with its strung webbed seat. Very comfortable. Aren't they like the chairs we saw at the cafe the other day? Yes, that's what I thought, I replied. I asked the manager what he'd paid for them. And? Thirteen rupees. Only thirteen rupees. 
I cheerily announced. Why, that's just eighty pence. Who would make a chair for such a pittance? Our folding chairs bought in Sicily were showing signs of wear and tear, so I asked the manager if we could buy two wicker chairs from him. Wonderfully, he agreed, and would only take what he paid for them, not a rupee more. What a bargain! They nestled nicely together to fit easily in the back of the Land Rover. Later that morning, we drove west from Agra to see the former capital city of the Mughal Empire, Fatipur Sikri, an impressive complex of red sandstone buildings, including one of the largest mosques in India, Jama Masjid, built in the 16th century by Emperor Akbar. As we arrived, the place was throbbing with hundreds of Indians on account of the arrival of British Prime Minister James Callaghan on an official visit to the country. To the thrill of the audience, he left with his small entourage in a helicopter. From Fatipur Sikri, we drove on to Bharatpur Bird Sanctuary, a half-hour drive west. The warden kindly allowed us to park for the night in the grounds. The alarm rang at 5.30 and I shut it off quickly. They say the early morning is the best time to observe birds. An hour later, we had washed, dressed and eaten breakfast. As we embarked on our venture, we saw that we were too early. It was a moonless night and the sun was hidden and the birds were still roosting. I I feel quite chilly, I said to Alec as we walked quietly along the barely visible dirt path. Me too. Let's go back and fetch our jackets. As we approached the Land Rover, we could see another early riser, a peacock flaunting its feathers. It strutted away from us as we opened the door and grabbed our jackets. Having sorted ourselves out, Alec blocked the back door and turned around. Shh, Alec! Look over there, I whispered. Wow, where did she come from? Quick, give me the camera. As I fished around in my cloth bag to pull out the camera, the young spotted deer that had caught our attention walked right up to me and poked its nose into my bag. I passed the camera to Alec and tentatively stroked the neck of the curious, delightful creature. Alec captured the moment. But we need not have rushed, for this little friend adopted us for the day and walked close to our heels for five hours as we strolled around. The bird sanctuary was such a restful place to be, with only a few other visitors. Our binoculars enabled us to view many birds in the trees and in the long reeds of marshland by the side of the lake. Ducks, geese, flamingos, storks, Cormorants, kingfishers, snake birds, ibises, eagles, etc. An extraordinary time spent close to nature. We exchanged tranquillity for pandemonium as we left the sanctuary after lunch to drive on to Delhi. As we arrived in the evening in the bustling city, everyone was leaving work, many on bicycles. A few drivers careered along the wrong side of the road in their cars, with their headlights full on, hoping to beat the traffic jam. Crazy! 
We parked on the outskirts of Delhi for the night, then entered the city the next day to spend five days at the tourist camp. There I had a cooking jamboree and had a go at making bread in our clay dish oven and then made two types of jam, banana and apple and guava. That would keep us going for a while and worked out at a quarter of the cost of bought jam. We bought a thick, heavy iron frying pan in the market and successfully popped corn as a fun snack to munch on. Naturally, Alec took the opportunity to work on the Land Rover and for a change replaced a broken leaf spring at the front of the vehicle instead of the back. On a couple of evenings we went along to the Delhi branch of the Children of God. There we were given a warm welcome at the shared dwelling and more mo letters were passed on to us. We ate hearty meals whilst the group sang and acted out poignant skits. Our journey from Delhi to Amritsar spanned over 250 miles along the main highway, a well-surfaced tarmac road across the North Indian plains. The land was extensively farmed and we passed through busy towns and villages along the route. An abundance of fruit and vegetables were for sale. We stayed for the night outside of Amritsar, but on Monday morning we drove into the city and parked at the railway station. Across the street was the tourist office, our first port of call that day. Good morning, sir. I addressed the amiable young gentleman who manned the orderly office. Good morning, he replied. How can I help you? Where can we go to have a vaccination against cholera? Ah, that would be the government hospital. Is it far away? No, not at all. You can walk there in ten minutes. In which direction would that be? Alec asked, pointing to the city map he'd picked up off the counter. The man outlined the route and we left his office and walked to the crossroads. With a precarious dash across the street, we managed to avoid all other road users. I followed Alec as he consulted the map and after ten minutes' walk, we actually arrived at the hospital a run-down building with a promise of improvements, with two new wings being built. It took a while to discover where the vaccination office was, having inquired with half a dozen different people. We went along a patchy cream-painted corridor with a shiny grey concrete floor to the second door on the right. The door was open and the male nurse, wearing a white medical jacket and a royal blue Sikh turban, was attending to a patient. We hesitated to say anything and drew back to the side of the corridor wall to wait our turn. Next, the nurse called as the patient left his office. Good morning, sir. We need vaccinations against cholera. Can you do this for us? Yes, of course. Do you have your vaccination books? I stepped forward and handed him our yellow booklets before sitting down on the plain wooden chair. Alex stood behind me. The room smelled of surgical spirits. Mr Singh, the nurse, first filled in our booklets and recorded the vaccinations in his ledger. He stamped all the documents with satisfaction. Next, he prepared the vaccinations, taking glass syringes and reusable needles. The vaccine looked decidedly cloudy. 
This doesn't look good, I hissed to Alec, mad with myself for not having brought along the disposable syringes and needles from our Land Rover. I'm very sorry, sir, but I see you don't have disposable syringes. No, this is all the hospital has, but they're clean. I sterilised them myself this morning, he stated, trying to reassure me. Awkward, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy at all. Alec, we must go back to the Land Rover to fetch our syringes, I said as I looked from Alec across to the nurse, who was all ready to proceed. I'm sorry, but we'll be back soon. We walked out of the door, leaving our precious booklets in Mr Singh's safekeeping, as he returned the syringe to the enamel kidney dish and sat down at his desk, bemused. Next, he called. Well, that was a fine kettle of fish. How come you didn't bring our syringes? Alec harped on as we scuttled away back along the corridor. I'm sorry, my mistake, I admitted, but it would be foolish to go ahead. On our way back to the railway station car park, we popped into a dispensary and asked about the nature of the cholera vaccine. The pharmacist said it should be a clear liquid unless it's been subject to a change in temperature when it will go opaque. Within half an hour, we were back at Mr Singh's office. We reported our findings at the dispensary and I handed him two new disposable syringes and needles. He listened to our reasoning and very graciously went to the tired old fridge in the corner of his room and extracted an unopened vial of cholera vaccine, enough for ten vaccinations. He handed it to me for my scrutiny. The liquid was clear and in date and it felt cold. Yes, that will do very well. Thank you for your understanding. His head swayed from side to side as he prepared the vaccinations again and administered them into our upper arms. It will be a fine thing indeed when every person here can have their vaccinations or injections with disposable syringes and needles, he said. It took another hour of waiting for the chief medical officer to sign our vaccination certificates before we could leave. On our walk back to the Land Rover, we were able to call at the address of the Children of God team that we'd been given, but no one was there. Whilst in Amritsar, we visited the memorial to hundreds of Indians massacred by British soldiers in 1919. It happened during a public demonstration in the walled Jallianwala Bagh public garden. It was sobering to look down the well and reflect on the many who had jumped to their deaths as they fled to escape the bullets. A visit to see Sri Hamandir Sahib, the golden temple of the Sikhs, was a wonder to behold. The holy complex was bordered along each side by continuous elegant white buildings with arched colonnades facing inwards. There were four grand entrances into the area and a wide path edged the vast pool, in the midst of which stood the striking golden temple reached by a bridge walkway level with the water. We mingled amongst the worshippers as we strolled around the sacred site, observing much. Near to the temple was a nine-storey octagonal tower. We climbed the steps inside to the balcony at the top, 
from where we could see kites flying over the city rooftops. Further within the city we explored a fabulous bazaar with so many tempting things to buy. The smart Sikh entrepreneurs set a high standard in business. As we drove out of Amritsar, it was dark, but we ventured on into the countryside and found a place to stop for the night, on a verge by a group of trees. On the following day, we continued to the India-Pakistan border and crossed with no problems at all, and we were back in the city of the Lahore by lunchtime. Total distance driven, 31,872 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a Devil or Two to Boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.